Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're going to take some time today on this podcast and connect some important dots between issues we're dealing with in real life and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and how the Bible and God's Word and God's precepts uh, speak to the human condition. So it's going to be exciting as always because Jesus is Lord. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the life. And uh, that's what we do when we proclaim the superiority of a Christian worldview for answering the biggest questions in life. But before we get to that, I've got, I, I told you, I'm a little fired up this morning. I'm fired up every morning, but I'm especially fired up this morning because um, as you may or may not know, you know, we have filled out probably over 1,200 uh, religious liberty exemption type letters for people who are facing, uh, you know, being fired from their jobs, losing their careers, uh, just terrible things, um, really basically being economically destroyed by companies that they've faithfully served for many, many years all over the COVID, you know, vaccination mandates, which, you know, are, are getting closer and closer to deadlines. I think depending on who you're listening to or what the company's stance was, uh, you know, it's the end of the month, you know, and then the end of the month is rapidly approaching us. So yeah, people are, are concerned as they should be. They're calling our church, they're wanting help. And, and what I've noticed over time is there's been a, a you know, we start by simply saying, uh, this is this is the law, you know, like if someone had a problem with conscience doing something against against their sincerely held beliefs, the employer would simply say, OK, we re respect that and make an accommodation. I mean, obviously, you got to get into what that is. But um, but anyway, you just simply say, well, it's against my conscience. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not comfortable. So the, the simple answer is, well, I'm not comfortable receiving this vaccine. And we could give lots of reasons why you're may or may or not be comfortable. Right. But the issue is you're not comfortable, and uh, and therefore please accommodate, you know, my request. Also, if you're vaccinated, mm -hmm. then you're good to go. So why in the world do you care if I'm vaccinated? Because right. you're already vaccinated. I mean, right. so we can get into the irrationality of all this. But but here's an example, and I won't mention mention the company. But a simple, you know, uh, COVID nineteen vaccine religious exemption request form. Okay. Uh, question. So, so, so here's there's seven questions that yeah. they're asking people. Not just like, do you want to be exempt from the vaccine? Yes or no. That that would be that would be uh, sufficient. But now we have, what religious belief, practice, or observance is causing you to seek the accommodation? Well, here's my simple answer. I don't want to get the vaccination. I, my conscience does not want me to get the vaccination. I'm uncomfortable with the vaccination. End of discussion. How does such and such company's COVID vaccine policy conflict with the religious belief, practice, or observance you have identified? Because you're forcing me to violate my conscience, period. Is the religious belief, practice, or observance you identified above based on an organization or an organized religious faith to which you belong? If so, describe. None of your business. That's the answer to that question. If your request for accommodation, this gets to be gobbledygook, is not based on an organized religious faith to which you belong, please describe the basis for the belief, practice, or observance you identified above and the extent of recognition of that belief, practice, or observance is shared by others with whom you associate or know of as faith-based or spiritual community. Irrelevant. None of your business. I just do not feel comfortable with your vaccination requirements. And it goes on and on and on and on. And um, and again, all of this is, is government overreach. 
Uh, one of my friends, uh, Micah Clark, with the uh, he's the the executive director of American Family Association in Indiana. Good man, uh, and a wise man. But he pulls out in this recent newsletter um, something that I preached on before here at Living Stones. Uh, three quotes by Thomas Jefferson, and these are these are quotes that I hope help you write them down. This is from our our founding fathers, at least one of our founding fathers. He said this. No provision in our Constitution ought to be dearer to man than that which protects the rights of conscience. Second quote, our rulers have no authority over such natural rights, only as we have submitted them. Jefferson said the rights of conscience were never submitted. In other words, that is an area off limits from a government uh, and government coercion. And he said this lastly, it is inconsistent with the spirit of our laws and constitution to force tender consciences. I don't know how much more clear you can get than Jefferson's words right there. Inconsistent with the spirit of our laws and constitution to force tender consciences. So what's happening right now in America really is anti-American. It goes against uh, 200 plus years of American history and American jurisprudence. We have always protected the rights of conscience, and, and you and I have talked about this before. I believe that when um, these things go through the, the court systems, which they are, and that takes time, there's going to be some serious lawsuits paid by some of these corporations um, and perhaps even lawsuits against uh, governments. Um, but we're going to see some serious uh, economic uh, retribution here because you know this is terrible when you've worked at a, at a for, we talked about this too before once you were a frontline hero all before there was a vaccination you were serving and you're doing great and we celebrated we put hero signs out in front of the hospitals and now that we have a vaccine we're firing you so you go from hero you know to to loser and um, and this is terrible what's happening so i've been encouraging people because we pray with them every week Keep standing, keep believing God, keep doing what you can to push back. And at the end of the day, you trust the Lord. But but this is an issue that is huge because it goes back to the founding of this nation. It goes back to a constitutionally protected principle that comes from God, not from human beings. Uh, and so at some point, I would say even push back on some of these ridiculous questions and just say, you're violating my conscience, period. Um, I'm not sure that's going to go over, but uh, <laughs> but I would try it. But that, that's where I'm at. You know, you, you, this is foundational, fundamental, uh, and mega. It's huge. Yeah, I think the idea of conscience protection is definitely not part of our narrative, uh, mainstream narrative these days. And, and I think for me, a lot of the battle of this uh, surrounding the vaccination mandate is narrative. It's what story are you telling? Are you, no, if you're right. not getting the vaccine, it's because so you're harming your neighbor. Someone posted something yeah. like, "Hey, aren't you supposed to love your neighbors?" Like that's your narrative. Right. It's like you get the vaccine so you can love your neighbors. Like that's your narrative that's pushed by the mainstream media. I have a completely different narrative. Right. You know, I'm trying to protect our neighbors by helping them mandate their conscience. I'm protecting everybody by helping uh, reinstill the importance of conscience. That's how we love our neighbors. How about we love our neighbor by making sure that they have the freedom to live their lives before God as free citizens. Right. Um, yeah, when you baptize and get a vaccine, love your neighbor under somehow biblical mandate or, or Jesus would get the vaccine. I'm like, you know, I'm just so shaking you, You're my missing head. narrative. You, you start with this narrative about COVID 
19, and then you trickle down all the narrative that the mainstream is saying, but you got someone else who completely, you want to subscribe to that narrative, fine, but there's other people who subscribe to a completely different narrative, like I do, yeah. and it has a completely different story, and you're, you try and put your narrative on me, and we're like, but that doesn't, I don't agree with all these different points. Well, and freedom, so, the, the same First Amendment that protects our religious liberty yep. also protects our freedom of speech and our freedom to disagree publicly, which is also being attacked right now. You know, sure. I just saw, you know, one of our, our, our Indiana congressional delegate, delegation, Jim Banks, was just banned from Twitter because he actually referred to a transgender male who, a male who, uh, you know, became a female, which we know is impossible. Uh, he referred to him with a male pronoun and was banned from Twitter for hate speech. I mean, you know, so this just shows you, like, like if, if the First Amendment gets trampled and we no longer have religious liberty, yeah. we no longer have freedom of conscience, you're not going to have freedom of speech and you're not going to be able to, to, to uh, in any way promote anything that goes against whatever the secular orthodoxy well, of the day I, I'm going to go back to narrative, which transitioned to our point today. Basically, yeah. it's, it's a battle of what story are you telling? And what narrative? And, and basically, when you control all these different, you think about some of the worst regimes in human history, some of the, the greatest yep. atrocities done to mankind. How do you get? It's not just one guy. They, they were yep. they were able to convince, tell a story, weave a story to millions of people, the military, the, the the citizens, to do these horrible things. How can they do that? They told a powerful story, a narrative that convinced so many different people. And that's the battle of America they, right now. And they punish people who did not embrace that embrace narrative. Embrace that so narrative, right. Many of you, and I want to encourage you, this is why the Lord over and over again in the, in the Bible speaks to leaders. And he says, be strong and courageous. And he repeats himself in many of those passages, be strong and very courageous. And I think that's because the typical person... Uh, wants to protect themselves, protect the status quo. Don't want, they don't want to make uh, waves. They don't want to push back. And then sometimes even in our Christian settings, we baptize any type of resistance as rebellion. And it's really not rebellion at all. It's, it's, it's legitimate rebellion against ungodly authority. It's a legitimate pushing back against, against tyranny. And, uh, and these are actually Christian behaviors. And so we need to make sure we, we stand and we're courageous. Because like you said, when you brainwash an entire culture with a certain narrative, this happened in Nazi Germany, it happened in communist China, it's happened uh, under uh, Russia, Russian, uh, you know, Stalinism and all of that. Uh, you baptize the ideology and you get everybody who's marching uh, in step. And before you know it, you've got atrocities happening everywhere. Right. And then and the big control over social media, uh, the censorship is all about narrative. So, you know, and, and we know as Christians that the only narrative that truly matters is God's narrative. Yeah. That's what God sees, how God sees the world. Yeah. And our job is to boldly, courageously seek the face of God through the scriptures and really see how he sees the world. It doesn't matter what, what Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever, Google, I'm fending all those giants right now, how they see the world. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And we, we've, uh, in the series we're preaching out called Undefeated, you know, one of the questions we raised or quotes we brought up was, who has the final authority to narrate human history? You know, who, who's the storyteller? And as we're going to get into today, there's only one being who, who has earned that right, and that's the creator 
and that's God Almighty. His history yeah. is his story. And so uh, he has the only authority, the only grounds, the only basis uh, to stand on, to be able to say this is the way it is. This is the way reality is. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to get into one of my favorite books of all time and use it as a little bit of a launching pad for the next few weeks on these podcasts. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm gonna, for those who have never read this book, How Now Shall We Live by Chuck Colson. Um, Chuck Colson is an incredible man. Yeah, he's with the Lord now. He's with the Lord. I read his testimony. He used to be, a, he was the uh, hatchet man for Richard Nixon. Yep, Watergate. Once upon a time, he actually went to jail for Watergate. But if you read his uh, autobiography, he actually didn't go to jail for Watergate. He went to jail for some other stuff. But the Lord used that process yeah. for him to transform Chuck Colson, yeah. but also for him to start the prison Christian yeah. prison. Well, you know, it's interesting how the Lord uses our our failures, our our painful moments. You know, while he Harry's one of the most powerful men in America, and he finds yeah. himself in a in a jail cell surrounded with a bunch of you know other criminals, yeah. and God used that, of course, to lead him to Christ, and then to touch his heart with the plight of all these. You know, men and women who are behind bars, and if he founded an amazing ministry called Prison Fellowship, as you stated, that yeah. that brings the gospel to uh, to inmates all over America and around the world. Absolutely, and he's an incredible writer. He he wrote this co-wrote this book with Nancy Piercy, Piercy yeah. who is also an incredible writer. Yeah, and I just want to say writer. that book. If you if you're looking, you know, our our podcast is dedicated to. Uh, discipleship and to connecting uh, the dots between life and a biblical worldview of seeing things. And, and I can't think of a, a better book to start with than reading this book. So if you're, we're always trying to give good book recommendations on this podcast just to help you and equip you. And I really believe this is one of the finest. And so Pastor Andrew and I, over the next series of weeks, are going to begin talking about a, a paradigm that every worldview has to address. And that's you know, biblically speaking, we talk about creation, how God how God created stuff originally. Mm -hmm. Then we talk about the fall, which is how sin twists and perverts God's perfect design. Mm -hmm. And then you have to talk about redemption. In other words, what is God's solution to fix the problems that sin created? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, like, just now, so many movies came to mind because we're talking about narratives, right? Yeah. yeah. So basically, if you understand those three points, creation, the yeah. narrative behind creation, the narrative behind the fall, why is there a problem? Why is there suffering? Why is there sin? Why is there hurts and pains? And then how do we be saved? What's our solution to yeah. this? Use those three paradigms in every single narrative, and you can identify it's a narrative. Yep. Okay. Every movie has that basic theme. Uh, in fact, secular-wise, it's yeah. interesting. They don't use the terms. Of course, they reject creation. Mm -hmm. they, the redemption is kind of a theological word, right? Yep. The fall, of course, is a biblical concept. But, but every secular ideology has to deal with those three issues. Like, how do we get here? Mm -hmm. So it's the question of origins. Yep. Any worldview has to explain how everything that is came to be. Yeah. And then we all realize something is a matter with the world. All you have to do is watch the evening news, right? And you realize, okay, people are messed up. C countries are messed up. Uh, we have lots of problems. And so every worldview that's worth its, its, its weight has to be able to explain why is society messed up? And then the third issue, redemption, that's the theological word, but the secular word, world would just deal with the issue of how do we fix it. And this is where we get into all kinds of secular theories of redemption. Yeah. 
In other words, how do we how do we fix what's gone wrong? How do we identify what's wrong? What's the what's the medicine, so to speak? What are, what are we bringing to correct the problems that we see? And now we get into a, a whole variety of counterfeit saviors because when we talk about redemption, we're really talking about what's the answer of salvation. How do we? How, who's going to come and rescue us from the problems that we have, or how do we rescue ourselves from the problems? That and we have? Understanding those three points is so important because. Um, our media and the, and the mainstream narrative uses every uh, tools at their disposal to try to offer a counterfeit uh, salvation plan for all of these yeah. counterfeit creation, counterfeit uh, problem, right. and then counterfeit redemption because they want to sell something to you, right. sell worldview to you. Now I was just watching some uh, Disney movies with my kids. Yeah, you're, you're in that season I'm that season I was I, years kids, ago yeah. with four young kids. And like your main, uh, your main uh, culture engagement is Disney movies. <laughs> and and, and hear, hear me out. Like those are entertaining. They're so well yeah. done. I appreciate the artistry. Yeah. Like Pixar, Disney, they tell stories so stinking well. I mean, they're compelling. They're I'm funny. Still, I'm still going back to a Bug's Life because that was a Bug's big Life. Yeah. <laughs> Every single. So I mean, we're entertained by this. So I'm not even talking about entertaining value. But if you look through these lenses, right, you're able to see that there are they are selling. And, and in each of these things, they're, they're preaching. preaching. Yeah. In each of these things, they offer a kernel of truth. Yeah. So it's not all lies, and it's not like you know the 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 you know it's not preaching outright evil, but they just put a little bit of twist in, in a legendary way and, and a and a and a funky way, a funny, a, a, a just a something fun. Yeah. But if you don't really understand it, you don't have that guard up, right? And you just absorb whatever you come. You could go to church all day. You can call yourself a Christian, but next thing you know, because of all that you have led into your heart and your spirit, you are now yeah. operating in different worldview from the biblical yeah. worldview. In fact, it's not just Disney. Every song, every popular culture yes. song, every movie is preaching at us. Yeah. There's a storyline, and usually it's a similar storyline, yeah. as we said, that fits. You know, it starts off good, oh, then there's a crisis, and then we have yep. to come to a resolution of the crisis. Well, often the redemption is like trust. We got to care for each other more. We got to love each other. Believe in yourself. You got to find your identity. I mean, there's a kernel of truth in all of this, but it's not the right. complete picture. It's a very humanistic right. perspective, you know? And, and, you know, we were laughing about this because Colson was talking about the, the power of— um, uh, of the advertising agency, yeah. basically to sell us something, yeah. to give us hope, to to tell us that if you you know take such and such product, you know it's going to fix you, it's going to save you. Right. And he mentioned that the early days of the advertising industry, many of the folks that were uh, the leaders were were pastors' kids, yeah. uh, because they understood this whole paradigm of creation, fall, redemption. Yeah. And so I, I actually did in, in preparation for this podcast, I I did a little research. Uh, what are the most popular slogans, advertising slogans of all time? And and I'm just going to read a couple of them here yeah. for, for us today. But I want you to listen to the theological uh, promises that are that are made. So, for instance, Adidas, impossible is nothing. Yeah. Well, obviously, human beings have limitations, and impossible is something we all face. Yep. 
the Bible says with God, nothing is impossible. And so now if you wear Adidas shoes, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, now that's a pretty big statement, right? Because uh, if I put Adidas shoes on, I still can't slam dunk, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I, I don't care what shoes I wear. I'm not going to be able to slam dunk. But according to them, impossible but, is nothing. But I, I can see a corporate table, marketing strategy. Oh, yeah. And they're sitting around. They say, okay, we don't want to sell shoes because people don't really want to buy shoes. What do they want to buy? They want to buy breaking boundaries. Right. We want to break boundaries. We want people to feel like they're, they're, they can do anything. To feel like they're not limited. They're, they're not limited. Almost like a god. Right. I mean, they right, might not right, said right. that. You put these shoes on and you can do it all. Because limitation defines man. Right. In fact, yeah. the, the original sin with Adam and Eve is they broke the boundaries, the limitation that God puts on them. God put the limitations there. They transgressed yeah. the limitations. And I, I shared this with our common ground young adults. I said, there, you got to decide... Which limitations are from man, which we're supposed to break, and which limitations are from God, which we should never break, yeah, yeah. like gender, like like sexuality, rules, like sexual marriage. ethics, like marriage, like which morality. we should never break. Yeah, but there are things that we should break. So we confuse because there's a grain of truth in some of these. There you go. But they are so generalized that we end up, you know, yeah. digesting it all. You know, so. that's good. Well, here's another one. Yeah. How about this? Another basic human need yeah. is for relationships and to fit in and and to belong. And yeah. so Airbnb belong anywhere. Yeah. So so if you are in one of their homes, in one of their properties, renting their properties, you have a feeling of belonging. They're not selling uh, rent. Basically, they're, they're rental a uh, lease. A rental lease, right? They're they're a broker for different rentals. But that's not what they really sell. What they really sell is your desire to belong to a family, yeah. to a people who will love you and cherish you. Right. right. I don't mean they really sell that, but that's the yeah. image they're trying that, to that's a, yeah. yeah. How about this? Allstate. You're in good hands. Yeah. Our, our need for uh, to be protected, to be secure. Yep. So yep. they're selling that. Mm -hmm. How about this? Budweiser claims to be the beer of kings. So if you're somebody, man, if you're a king, drink Budweiser beer. Uh, uh, but if you're a loser, go drink one of those other beers. It's so funny because I, I, I first thought it's the king of beer. So I was like, okay, that's kind of, no, the beer of kings. That's, beer that's of kings. switch everything around because now you're talking about identity. Not their identity, <laughs> your identity. Yeah. You're a king. Now, is that element true to that? Sure, because God has called us to become kings. Yes. But you see the little twist oh, in yeah. that. So, oh, yeah, it's an identity, yeah. identity yeah. issue. If you're really cool and you're a king, man, drink this beer. Yeah. How about this one? Just a couple more. Burger King. Have it your way, right. Andrew. They're not selling burgers. <laughs> they're selling um, They're selling convenience. They're selling uh, comfort. They're you, selling... Get, you, you don't get just a generic burger because this is what it has on it because that's how we make it. Yeah. You get to design the burger that you want. Yeah, it's really selling your autonomy. Your autonomy. You get to have it your way. So yeah. like you said, if we want pickles, we don't want pickles. No, That's not like heresy. But the underlying kernel is you're in charge. You're in charge. You control your yeah. destiny. You control your hamburger. Yep. Yep. And then lastly, and I, this is kind of a fun cheat. I mean, there, there's pages. I got three pages of these. I won't bore you with all this. But how about this? If Coca-Cola, open happiness. <laughs> so if you're depressed, get some Coca-Cola and you're, you're literally drinking happiness. Yeah. Uh, I wish it were that easy. Uh, I wish we could just open a can of a, a soft drink and that our problems are solved and we're instantly happy. But as we're pointing out, these are all promises of, um, of redemption through materialism, yeah. through products, through driving the right car, living in the right house. 
um, you know, the promise, you deserve it. So many of the creature comforts, you know, we live in a hedonistic culture. Right. We're, we're looking after either materialism or ple- personal pleasure. Remember Cal, Calgon, you know, encouraging the wife to get away and sit in a nice hot tub with Calgon bath, you know, bubbles because you deserve it, you know, indulge yourself. I've never heard of Calgon. <laughs> sure. I bet your wife has, you know, but it's this whole idea of uh, you're worth it. Yeah. And, and again, you, you are worth it, but we're, what's the basis? So, of your so worth? we're not, there's not an anti-capitalism right, marketing. Right. That's not the point. The point is understanding that when people try to sell you, they're not just trying to sell you the product. They understand that the best marketers understand. I just read the book of marketing. They're not trying to sell you the product. They're trying to sell you a better life. They're trying to sell you a worldview, right. but what worldview are they actually selling? And again, like having a better, having good insurance is good to be protected. That is good. I'm not saying there's anything right. wrong with that, but are you taking that? Are we taking these things and put it in place of the true biblical worldview? Are we replacing Jesus right. with a nice car? Right. And, and that's, I think that's the yeah. point is because, because God's view of reality is accurate because he's God. Yeah. We realized we've fallen from a place where we were ultimately satisfied. We lived in safety. We lived in fullness. We lived in blessing. We lived in relationship. We lived in belonging. Yeah. We've fallen from that. And and what we need to get in touch with is because we're fallen, we don't assume that that's up for grabs. We know we're fallen. And if you take time to examine your heart, right, in those moments of silence, we realize there is a gnawing discomfort. We, do, we, we have fear. We have anxiety. We, we fear lack. Uh, and then not, not just dealing with our environment, but we realize at the core of our being, there is a rottenness there. Uh, you know, when we say things that we are ashamed of. We think things that we're ashamed of. We yeah. do things that we're ashamed of. And so the Bible teaches that when we do that, there's an, a corresponding guilt and shame yeah. that is real. It's not artificial. It's real. We realize we have fallen short. We're ashamed of what we've done. We feel guilty over what we've done or what we've said or how we acted. Right. And that's across the board. That's that's six billion human beings all share that experience because right. that's reality. And, I, and that's the point. When you realize you have a need, when you realize you're guilty, when you realize you're ashamed, when you realize you're hurt, you're brokenhearted, all of us begin to ask the question, what do I do about it? How do, how do I fix my condition? Right. And I think that's, that's that larger parameter of the word redemption. And then we start getting into how, what are the answers to the deepest human needs? Yeah, I think the point we're trying to make is there is a vacuum in every single person's heart. And that vacuum seeks to be filled by everything. It's called the need for redemption. Because I, I, I don't think we need to really convince people their brokenness. Everyone just... Everyone understands that. Whether they admit it or not, yeah. deep in their heart, they recognize there's a problem in this world. Right. So there's always... And, and we're in a situation now in American culture where, because we don't have a Christian worldview, uh, for many people, the reason I feel bad is your fault. Right. I'm the victim, and and I'm feeling bad hey, because you you made me feel bad. Hey, you jumped to next week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're, <laughs> we're we're to that. We're gonna get into that a little bit. Spoiler but, alert. But, yeah. but, the, but the point yeah, is, yeah, as, yeah you, you, you caught me on that one. Uh-huh. But, but the point is, you're going to look somewhere. The Bible teaches us that we need to look inside yeah. because really our guilt and shame comes from sin. And, and it's the, it's the uh, you know, we give the illustration. I think it's a good one. Uh, when you bite an apple and you get and you realize when you look at the at the apple there's half of a worm it means the other half's in your mouth Ugh, gross 
And then you ask the question, how'd that worm get in that apple? Most people think the worm burrowed its way in from the outside in, but the amazing thing is the the uh, larva of that worm was actually laid on the blossom. Yeah. As the as the fruit formed around the blossom, that larva's on the inside of the apple and it actually eats its way out. It's a great picture of, of human nature. The problem is on the inside. It works its way out. It's not on the outside working its way well, in. Well, the, the problem, that's a great point because if you if you can't diagnose the problem, you can't find the solution, right? Absolutely. So if your problem, and I'm touching on next week a little bit, if, if the, you diagnose the problem and the problem is it's external, it's because you don't have enough money, it's because your house is not nice enough, it's because your car is not nice enough, because you don't have enough product, then the solution is I got to make more money, I got to purchase, boom, 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 boom. I mean, that's a very real issue. People might not like outwardly think it that way. You might never articulate why I need a brand new car when I don't need one, et cetera. But internally, because of all these messages through our whole life, it gets internalized and we're like, oh, I feel emptiness. I feel weak. I feel guilt. What do I need to do? I need to buy them. I've talked to people who after dead and bankruptcy and whatever have finally confessed, oh man, this is an internal drive. It wasn't an external thing. It was an issue. I was trying to fulfill something in my heart. People yeah. become shopaholics because of stuff like that. That's yeah. a very real it's, issue. And it's, you know, we always say money, money is not the answer, but everybody's like, well, yeah, let it, let me experience it. And I, let me test that for myself. And yet, you know, you're walking out the supermarket and you're looking at all these magazines there with all the Hollywood folks, all the money people, and you see how broken they are, how their families are destroyed, uh, how they go, a revolving door of relationships, right? Yeah. Sexual relationships. Uh, they're flying everywhere. They got all the money in the world. And yet we look to them somehow thinking, man, if that could only be me. Yeah, if I only had that. And, and they're some of the most them. miserable people. Well, I'm going to read planet. this quote right here. As some people have said, the poor are better than the rich because the poor still thinks money will buy happiness. The rich knows better. There you go. No, I, I think that's a good point. But again, this is not an anti-business or marketing or a capitalistic talk. We're just simply saying those things are cannot be, yeah. uh, they're, they're counterfeit redemptions. Yeah. And, there are and things we need, but they're, they won't fulfill what but, we really need. But they're counterfeits. And, and every single one of us you know, reaches a place in our life it's called the old. It's called the dark night of the soul, right? Yep. It's the lowest point. It's the point when, when you've tried the money, you've tried sex, you've tried drugs, you've tried, uh, you know, uh, materialistic stuff. You you got the new house, you got the big boat, you got the, you know, you got the cottage. You travel, you take fancy vacations, um, yeah. you, and then you divorce your wife. You get you get your new wife, um, the new improved version. You think she's going to make you happy. And then finally you hit this dark night of the soul when you realize none of, none of the saviors that you've been pursuing have, uh, have provided the answer for you. And I love what the Bible says. A couple verses here we can highlight as we're wrapping, down, wrapping this up today. This is Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You know, those are two things that every human being needs. We, we're all longing for freedom, and yet the very things that we pursue, thinking that will make us free, end up putting us in bondage. Yeah. And we all know we've, we've sinned. We've, we've, we've committed sins against others, and others have committed sins against us. So, so those are the two things, freedom and forgiveness. And Jesus promises that in his kingdom. So you can either live in the kingdom of darkness where we're born. You can do it your own way. You can pursue counterfeit saviors. Uh, 
counterfeit ideologies, counterfeit worldviews, or you can embrace the fact that God is on a rescue mission in Jesus and that Jesus wants to rescue you from you and rescue you from this fallen, broken world and from sin and from bondage. That's the promise of the gospel. And one more verse, Ephesians 1, 7. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You know, this is the meaning of the cross. Jesus died on purpose, for a purpose. His, his, his death matters to every single human being. And on that cross, God paid for our sin and our freedom through the blood of the only one who was sinless and completely free. Mm-hmm. And that's Jesus Christ. And today, you know, we're, we're laying the foundation that there is only hope, happiness, freedom, forgiveness from the guilt and shame, deliverance from all the things that we have been enslaved to. And only Jesus answers the basic needs of every human being to be loved, to be accepted, to belong, to fit, uh, to be secure, uh, to not have to worry about, you know, Jesus talks about not worrying about provision or where our provision is going to come from. I mean, literally in Christ Jesus, we have the freedom and forgiveness that we all long for. He is our redeemer. That was his mission. He came to redeem the entire world. And, um, and so you have to be confronted with Christ. You have to see him, embrace him, know who he is. He's the centerpiece of, of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And to know Jesus is to be forgiven and is to be free. Uh, and, of course, that freedom is an ongoing experience in life as we get to know him more and as we apply what he did for us on the cross. Everything else is a counterfeit. And those are the things we're going to be looking at because, you know, it was, it was John Calvin that said the human heart is an idol factory. Uh, we're constantly looking for other sources of redemption yeah. besides Jesus. And so we're going to talk about those. There's, there's about six or seven major forms of idolatry that, that's going on in the world today that are all looking for, for redemption. Yeah, all, and, all, and, and, and those narratives, again, those, those storyline, those perspective worldviews perpetuate human history. It doesn't go away. It gets recycled into different forms. Yeah. You know, next week we're going to talk, touch on um, the escalation myth and basically humanism. The Tower of Babel. I call it a Tower of Babel once again, yeah. which again leads into Marxism. So, so we're going to we're yeah. going to dabble into that. Basically, you know, we have we have theologies, right? Counterfeit theologies or ideologies mm-hmm. called liberation theology or liberation ideologies. In other words, how do we get liberated from? You know, the oppressors, the oppressive systems that we find ourselves. In other words, the problems outside of me, it's class or structure problems. So how do I get liberated from that? And there's a host of of those ideologies that we're dealing with even today. And they have their own worldview. It's really a religion. They have their origin. They have their problem and they have their solution. It's so important for us. People who believe in the scripture, followers of Jesus, to really understand this because you got to know how this infiltrates through teachings and curriculums and stories and movies and commercials to be able to point to ourselves and to our kids and say, hey, I know this seems really attractive, but here's a couple of things that they throw in there. Don't let that settle into your heart, into your soul. I, did, I have young kids. I was watching... Uh, 
whatever Disney cartoon. <laughs> and again, very entertaining. Yeah. But very quickly, because of my worldview training, I can say, okay, there is a a humanitarian, a human humanistic right. a Tower of Babel message about if we're all unified, if we're all together, then right. we can create utopia. And we're going to talk about my, utopia. My kids well. hate to watch movies with me because you know all all of my uh, doctoral training is in worldview. So I've read about as much as I could possibly read on, on biblical worldview, <laughs> Christian worldview, and I'm like. Oh, that movie's terrible. <laughs> Look at the message they're promoting. Right. That's pantheism. That's humanism. I mean, I watched right. the movie. I'm going to pop everybody's bubble here, and this is going to hurt. But Frozen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was all, you know, it was all the humanistic, be yeah. all that you can be. You're awesome. Well, you that's know. almost every every movie yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And Disney. Again, I'm not, I'm not ready. I watched some of those with my kids. I just think it's important for us to understand the messages and not just digest everything that comes in. I mean, I mean, it's like reading your food labels before you eat it. You say, oh, what's actually in this stuff, yeah, you know? Exactly. Like, so when you watch it, you know, again, good I'm not saying don't eat it, but yeah. just understand you can't consume too much or you maybe need to spit out some bones. Yeah, absolutely. And that's important in our culture today. I, I, I will say less movies, but social media content, messaging, uh, memes, posts by other people to have discerning eyes to see, hey, here's a commercial, 30-second commercial trying to sell you. What are they really selling? Are they trying to sell you status? Are they trying to sell you identity? Are they yeah. trying to just sell your product? You know, that's good. So, so I think it's just important for us to understand that. Yeah, it, I like what you said. We need to be thinking people. I've heard people say, oh, "I just, I just like the music. I don't really listen to the lyrics." You know, well, you need to listen to the lyrics. Well, lyrics go with music; they go together. It will uh, internalize in your heart if you listen to it enough. Absolutely. So, I just want to encourage you if you're listening today. Uh, I don't know where you are, where you are at with Jesus, where you are with your life right now. But you know what? It might be a good place to pause and to really begin to reflect on the two basic needs, the need to be free and the need to be forgiven, and to realize that Christ offers you that he is the only Savior. He is the only Redeemer. Everything else is a cheap counterfeit. And so you just pause. And what do you do? You confess your sin. You say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm broken. Jesus, I'm guilty. I'm ashamed. Uh, that's okay. Every, every, you know, we like to tell people here at Living Stones, we assume when you walk in our doors, you're messed up. We're all messed up. We all need a savior. That's why we come to church. It's a hospital for sick people. Um, uh, so it's not, it's not a, a fault. Uh, to admit that you're broken. In fact, it, it self-awareness is the beginning. Repentance is the beginning of finding freedom and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So Amen. repent of your sins. Ask Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. It's so simple. But if you mean it in your heart and you ask him, everything changes. And he begins, he, for, he forgives you of your sins and he begins to redeem all the broken areas and to heal your life. That's why the gospel is good news. That's why the Judeo-Christian worldview is superior because it provides real answers to real problems. And so we leave you with that hope today. Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the Redeemer of the world. And that's the foundation piece to our worldview. So um, thanks for tuning in. You will not want to miss this series. We're going to get into some really good stuff next week, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, dealing with some of the the idols, counterfeit redeemers, and our world is full of them. So until next week, have an amazing week. If we can help you here at Living Stones in any way, our number is 219-663-PRAY. Uh, please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, until then, we'll see you next Thursday.